to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. And I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. Good morning, Dee. Good morning, Carol. I'm shivering. Can you hear me? I, I hear your teeth chattering. They're chattering Woo! here, too. We set a new record for coldest November 12th ever in Indianapolis. Well, our record was 14 degrees, and it was set in 1911. Same year. And we we may have had the same thing, which just goes to show, to tie this in, and us not just talking about the weather, that what starts in Indiana often comes down to Oklahoma, even though you're east of me. In other words, when a cold front comes, an Arctic cold front, it just envelopes all of us, all of us in the Central Plains. Yes, and uh, but I had something that you don't have on my garden. Oh, uh, let me guess. White, fluffy. That's right. We got snow, too. Apparently, we got some icy sleet that fell early in the morning. And since Bill and I just flew back in from New Orleans, I'm really glad that it happened in the morning and not the afternoon and that we were able to land. Me, too. You know what they say when somebody says they flew in from somewhere. Are your arms tired? Are your arms tired, D? <laughs> no, I let the plane do all the flying. There you go. So I see you have a quote for us this morning. I do. May your bookshelves be full and your tea always warm. A.R. Geiger. Oh, I love that one. I got to put that one on my like list of favorite quotes because it's especially apropos today since it's freezing in both of our worlds. Right. And I have some warm tea and my bookshelves seem to be full. So I'm in good shape. Life is good. Me too. And we should also add that we hope you always have a flower or two in your life. Exactly. Because otherwise, what would we talk about with our first segment on flowers? Yeah, exactly. So today we're going to talk about the beautiful amaryllis. That's right. Amaryllis is a bulb. It's a great big bulb. And they are easy to plant and grow. In And people get them this time of year. And the reason we picked it this week is um, I read somewhere. So, and I don't know if it's true or not. And it probably depends on your in inside conditions. But November 11th, which was yesterday, or basically this week, is the week to target to plant an amaryllis if you want it to be in bloom on Christmas. Well, then I better get mine planted. I have them. I just hadn't planted them because I was gone. Um, but yes, I have them. And I need to go get them out of that box and put them in a pot. And actually, last year, I did a quick Instagram on how to plant an amaryllis and I should probably put it on my story because for today, because, um, or on our story, because it's super fast, super easy. Anyone can grow an amaryllis and have blooms by Christmas and have the prettiest thing and people will be wowed by them because they're beautiful. They are. And even though they are simple to pot up and keep growing, they have come up with these waxed amaryllis bulbs. And we're going to talk about those. Which is even easier. <laughs> so I did some research about these waxed amaryllis bulbs, and I actually found an article that explains how you can create your own wax bulb. You want to hear about that? Yeah, sure. Okay, so what they do when they create an amaryllis bulb is the first thing they do is they kind of cut off that basal plate on the bulb that's got all the roots. They yeah. flat, they cut that off so it's flat. And then the growers 
will attach a wire um, grid or some wire to the bottom so that the bulb will stand up straight. Right, because I always wondered how they kept them from flopping. Yeah, they put um, they basically uh, wax some wire onto the bottom so it's uh, like a little trivet. Okay. Then the next thing that they do, then they coat the bulb and the bottom in wax. Huh. And the DIY way to do this was the lady melted some old candles, and then using a brush, she waxed her bulb. Okay. The whole bulb? Well, just up to the tip. Okay, so here's my thing. If you're the kind of person who wants to grow a waxed amaryllis, I don't think you're going to want to turn it into your own DIY project because it's harder to wax your own amaryllis than it is to put it in dirt in a pot. I would uh, agree 100%. That's when I read the article, I thought, wait a minute, why would I wax the amaryllis? And then the other question I always had was, you you basically have to do nothing to get the thing to grow and bloom. Right. If you buy a waxed amaryllis, here's the thing. And my hairdresser, um, Eileen, she listens to our podcast regularly. Hi, Eileen. Um, Eileen is not big into growing things, but she's getting there. She's starting to grow things more and more. But last year, she had a waxed amaryllis. And all you do is stick it in a window. I mean, you don't do anything. You don't water it. You don't do anything. It grew great. And the way they, they, you keep them kind of chilled before you want them to start growing. But basically, when they hit room temperature and they see a little light, the little um, flower buds sitting up out of that top, it just goes nuts. And some people right. get a couple of stems of blooms out of them. They, you want top-sized bulbs if you're waxing them. Right. So here's our suggestion. Just buy the wax bulbs if you want to. And by the way, I want to correct something. I said dirt. I don't mean dirt from outside when you plant a pot in a pot. I mean potting soil. So use potting soil. <laughs> I don't want somebody to come back and go, oh my gosh, you said you use dirt. And so I went out and dug some out of my um, yard. No, you don't want to do that. You need potting soil. But if you're going to, there's just no way I'm going to wax an amaryllis is what I'm telling you. I'm not going to wax an amaryllis, but I might buy one just to try it. Well, let's each buy one. Let's buy one today. Okay. Well, I'm kind of busy today. I've got a podcast I'm recording, but I'll do well, my afterward. best. Well, afterward. Okay. One other thing I wanted to say about the dirt, a lot of times you buy an amaryllis in a box and it comes with a plastic pot and mm-hmm. a, a cylinder of compressed peat quar. or something. It's quar, so usually. I usually throw that out. I don't use that. I've used it, but here's the deal. If you use that, it is not going to do as well as if you use potting soil. And if you're planning to rebloom your amaryllis, then you should use potting soil. But you can use quar. It works just fine. I've also grown them in rocks, but they didn't bloom as well. I've grown them in rocks in a vase, and that works out pretty well. Uh, you want a nice deep vase, and you put like a two-inch layer of rocks in the bottom. Then you put that bulb down in there, and you just keep that water right right below the base. And I've given these to my great-niece and great-nephew to grow and they really enjoyed it and there was no potting soil and it was not a mess but it was really it worked pretty well for them 
Okay, so for me, it didn't work so well, and I got fungus gnats. I'm just saying. Now, I've done it with paper whites, and it worked great, but I just didn't do so well with the amaryllis bulbs. If you are going to do that, if you're going to do the rock method, and it does work for a lot of people, you want a top size bulb again. Don't buy a cheap bulb. Remember, the bigger the bulb, no matter what bulb it is, the better. That means your bulb is healthier and ready to grow. And I just want to say, um, Dee, I don't want to shame you or anything, but... If a three and four year old can grow an amaryllis on rocks, just yeah. saying. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had you. You aren't going to shame me. I know I'm a good gardener, so just, just you know, lump it. You're a great gardener. <laughs> One other thing I would tell people is the amaryllis in the box usually comes with a plastic pot, and if it's a decent sized bulb and it grows any decent amount it will just flop over in that pot because it becomes too heavy, too top heavy. So I would get a good clay pot or a good ceramic pot that's got a drainage hole. And um, I've got some really nice ones that I always use for my amaryllis. They're beautiful. They're sort of Christmas colors. It yep. makes a nice display. I've got some beautiful clay pots that are done by Guy Wolf, and I use those for my amaryllis and I have some big beautiful double white amaryllis that I'm getting ready to plant and I'm putting in a great big guy wolf bulb pan and it really does make a statement um, I was also going to say that I use amaryllis supports there are some copper ones that you can use and we'll link to that and then there's also you can create a whole trapezoid effect by putting down bamboo I was almost said bamboo shoots, bamboo sticks, and then you can tie jute or ribbon in between there. But you may want something to support those big amaryllis flowers because then the stalk is too heavy and they flop. You don't want a right. floppy amaryllis. You've worked a month to get that sucker to grow and bloom, and you want it to be the showpiece of your Christmas celebrations. I would add a couple other th tips for people if they're going to grow their own amaryllis. Um they often look good with a little sphagnum moss around to hide the dirt. Makes like a nice display. You'll see that all over Pinterest. Or pebbles. Pebbles look nice. Yes, but something to kind of soften that. I've actually bought uh, ivy, houseplant ivy, and I planted mm -hmm. that around the base of the bulb, not with the intention of ever getting the ivy to grow forever because they're not well rooted. But right. it just makes it a little bit nicer. Right. I'm actually looking at an ivy topiary that I bought the other day at Trader Joe's. I don't know if they still have them, but it's a variegated ivy topiary and it is so cute. And I'm really glad I bought it because it's making my house greener, but I, I digress. Anyway, moss looks good on top. Sphagnum moss looks good on top. Um, I've used reindeer moss. I've used pebbles. I've used crushed green glass with those white amaryllis. Oh my gosh. Pretty, pretty, pretty. So there is, there are many ways to decorate your amaryllis so it's not just a uh, bulb in a brown pot. Yeah, and don't use the plastic pot. If we could, if we could just go buy a pot, it's not a big deal. And the pot doesn't even need a drainage hole. You don't need to water them very much. They like to be crowded, so choose a smaller pot or put more bulbs in a bigger pot. They like to be crowded. Right. One last tip, D. What? I couldn't. I couldn't believe when I saw this. Here's another reason why you'd buy a waxed amaryllis. Okay. They tied string around them and hung them from the ceiling. So they're upside down? Yeah. <laughs> With their heinies in the air? Their heinies are in the air? <laughs> they're that hanging seems from, rude. They're, they're hanging from like a chandelier or something. Well, that's... I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. Besides, it's rude to the Amaryllis. Nobody wants their hiney in there. No. Anyway, okay, D, challenge on somewhere today. I'm going to try to get me a waxed Amaryllis bulb to try. Me too. I think they're weird and a little creepy, but I'm going to grow one anyway, just because I want one. By the way, I don't know if we said this yet, so we're going to say it again. Um, usually, if you do this wax bulb thing, it's a one and done. I will be tossing that sucker when I'm finished. Some people we know have, in fact, our friend Gail from Clay and Limestone, she said that she planted hers. She peeled all the wax off and planted hers and was successful. It grew. I, I'm not doing that. I'm just telling you right now, if I buy a wax amaryllis, that baby's going in the compost pile and going to the great garden in the sky. There you go. Mine mine will probably meet a similar fate. <laughs> if you want to rebloom your amaryllis, um, we will link to the USDA link that tells you how to rebloom them. There's some real steps to it. Um, we know several people who do that, and I've done it, but uh, sometimes I don't. And I will also add, we're going to add some links to a couple sources for top quality amaryllis bulbs, some of our favorite bulb vendors. They are selling out, so this is a get it now kind of thing. Right, and if you want it to bloom by Christmas, plant it now. But here's exactly. the thing. If you miss your deadline and it blooms in January or February, it's dark and ugly then and all the decorations are down. And so it's a good time for them to bloom. So don't feel bad about not having them by Christmas. Good advice, Dee. You ready to move on to our veggie? Yes, which isn't actually a veggie, but that's okay. You going to do the quote or am I? You, I'm going to do the first quote. Okay. The creation of a thousand forest is in one acorn by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And mine is an old English proverb, which is mighty oaks from little acorns grow. And I chose that one because that actually is on a plaque that sits on my shelf in my kitchen. I can see it right now. And it's at, it was my motto with my children. That's nice. And the reason we chose those quotes is because here in Indiana... And in other locations in the country, but not everywhere. It seems mm -hmm. to be what they call a mast year. Yep. M-A-S-T. And that's a year where all kinds of trees, like simultaneously, have very, very heavy seed production. Yes. Lots of little acorns. So many acorns that your feet crunch, crunch, crunch. They crunch underneath your feet. Last year was a mast year for Oklahoma. Because all of our acorn trees went bananas last year, but this year they did not, which is one of the qualities of a mast year. They don't do it every year. Right. And this year, my sister sent me a picture of acorns on the ground in her yard. She has a 60-year-old oak tree, and we know it's 60 years old because we know that our father planted it back in like 1960. And she said, there are so many acorns. Is the tree sick or dying? Or is this no. the sign? Is this the sign we're going to have a hard winter? And the answer is none of the above. Right. But that is an old wives tale that is passed around a lot that acorns have when they have a mass year, it means that it's going to be a hard winter or that they had an extremely hard summer. And so they produced a lot of acorns. But do they even really know why? Scientists do not know why, because the phenomenon isn't like just one tree decided to produce a bunch of acorns. It's like all the trees in an area are massively producing acorns. And when I ride around, ride around, drive around town, I notice that 
not only do I have a couple of spruces that are just loaded with spruce cones, more so than I've ever seen, but I see all kinds of other spruces and it's the same. They're just loaded, loaded, loaded. So that begs the question, how do those trees all communicate with each other so that they can, so they know that this is the year, you know, isn't that interesting? It is. And uh, scientists don't know that I wrote a blog post on this about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I got as much interaction on this blog post as any for the last several weeks. And a lot of interaction on Facebook and people saying things like, well, it's not a mass year here, or it's definitely a mass year, you know, in North Carolina, for example. Right. One person said that it's nature's way of calibrating seed production so that there's leftover seed for new trees to sprout because if the amount of seed they produce is uh, the exact amount needed by the animal population in the area, then there will be no seeds left to sprout. So there's all kinds of theories, but nobody really knows for sure. It's it's one of those cool nature things that they haven't figured out totally. I will say this, last year had to have been a master year here because I had I live... Um, for the people that don't know, I live right at the edge of the deciduous forest and I live right at the edge of the short grass prairie. So my lawn, my actual lawn and my actual land, it, it's located, I'm in the middle, like my house is in the middle of the forest. So I had so many acorns that when I would go on my daily walk, there were just, they would be like marbles under my feet. It was almost dangerous to walk around because you go, and I'm also on a hill. I know people think there aren't hills in Oklahoma, but there are. And I would like almost slide down the hill. And I was kind of glad when they were all done. But they are fun to crunch under your feet. They are. And um, my sister has the same problem. I mean, the oak tree kind of hangs over her driveway. And so she says you literally, it's like listening to rainfall, listening to the acorns drop onto the driveway. And almost, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of have to be careful where they park their cars. What kind of oak tree does she have? Do you know? I do know. She has a scarlet oak. It is Quercus coccinea. Beautiful. I have all post oaks and blackjack oaks. Those are my two types. And that's why I have different, like I have leaf fall in early spring and I have leaf fall in the fall. So, or as Bill calls it, the seven levels of leaf fall. Right. And I, uh, I like that oak too. So I planted one in my yard about, um, I'm going to say nine years ago, and it's actually gotten pretty tall. So they're not as slow growing as you think, and they make a very nice tree. So if we could encourage people, you know, grow an oak tree. Oak trees are beautiful, and they are slower growing than some other trees, like maples, for example, but not as slow, depending upon the variety, not as slow as you might think. And they do make a nice, big, beautiful tree, and they will be there forever. Please do not plant them under power lines, though. That is a nightmare. For the power companies. Right, it is. So it is a mass year. We'll link to my blog post and people can comment whether they are having a mass year or not. And um, that's all we have. That's our veggie. I know that doesn't seem like a veggie, but you can eat acorns. So it counts. You can eat acorns and people can find out how to process acorns to make acorn flour by going to the backyard, backyard forager, our friend Ellen Zakos. Her blog, we'll find a link. She's surely got a way to make all that acorns into flour. Carol, Carol, guess what? What? I've eaten acorn flour. And guess who made it for me? Ellen? 
Ellen did. And I'm telling you, it was delicious. It tasted a little bit like almond flour. So it was really, really good. You have to leach the acorns. It's quite the process. But I'm telling you, I had muffins and they were good. It is an extensive process, but if you've got a lot of acorns, this might be the year to try it. Ooh, exciting. So shall we move on to our dirt? I'm kind of excited. Okay. You do the quote because you're so excited about it. My garden is my most beautiful masterpiece, Claude Monet. I am so excited. Yes. Our our dirt today is The Artist's Garden by Jackie Bennett. So everybody who thinks about gardens and artists, they always think of Claude Monet, but Claude Monet was not the only artist that had a garden. And Jackie Bennett explores all of this in this wonderful, beautiful book. Yes, it is a beautiful book. And I'm looking at it right now. And she has beautiful pictures of the art and then pictures of the gardens. And many of these artists' gardens have been preserved in some form or fashion. And you can go and visit them. Exactly. And um, even though, even though um, Giverny is not the only artist's garden, I am going there next year. I'm going there next spring, Carol. That's nice, Dee. Move along. This isn't a travelogue. Are you, are you just a little bit jealous? Anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, we're actually going with a couple of our friends and, um, we're, we're really excited. We're doing a river cruise. So I'm going to, that was a bucket list item and I'm getting to do it next year. And I traveled a lot this year, but I won't travel as much next year because I'm going to have a grandchild. But anyway, I'm excited about this trip. Yes. And she has listed just all kinds of gardens in here and I'll just list a couple of the uh, the artists that she there's Leonardo da Vinci, uh Peter Paul Rubens, Paul Cezanne, Renoir, Max Lieberman, Renoir, um, Renoir, Salvador Dali. And she not only shows the gardens but she also so- shows some of their artwork from it. Because Claude Monet's water lilies are really famous because of his water lily pond, but you find out from this book that there were lots of other artists who also painted their gardens. And she, she also shows their houses um, and where they, you know, just where they lived inside and where they painted. It's a very good book. It would make an excellent Christmas gift or any other type of gift for someone that you love, either someone who loves art or someone who loves gardening. And who doesn't love one or the other or both? Nobody that we like. <laughs> Sadly, that's true. <laughs> anyway. The artist community, uh, she talks about some of the communities that were formed around artists in England, New Hampshire, Germany, Scotland, France, Denmark. Um, you could just spend hours reading this book, Dee. Carol, that makes me think about something. I think sometimes we neglect our own American gardens and American artists for European gardens. And I think maybe some of our dirt in the future should be highlighting some of the beautiful American gardens that we've visited when we've been on our trips in the United States. Yes, because we've visited some uh, impressive places. We have, and there are some writers that have great gardens in the United States, and there are also some artists. So she highlights those too, and I like that about this book. Yeah, she highlights the, um, let me get to that page. She highlights some gardens in New England. The New England Impressionist and yes, 
some of the, the areas that they hung out in, in the artist colonies on the eastern seaboard. That would be really cool. Which I bet our friend, Laney, who lives in Rhode Island, I, I bet she's seen them. I bet she has too, because they're close by. They're not so close by for us, but maybe we should make a point of trying to visit those. If you can't make it over to Europe, there's always a garden that's nearby you. And I would also like to say that Jackie Bennett is no slouch when it comes to writing books like this. She also wrote The Writer's Garden, which is wonderful. Oh, I know that one. Yes. And she wrote uh, Shakespeare's Gardens, which is also wonderful. I have that one. I have that one, too. I love that book. And there's another book she wrote called Island Gardens, and I do not have that. I don't have that one. But now I want it because it's... Of course you do. Because we're insatiable with books and gardening. It's ridiculous, actually, but that's okay. And candles. I seem to have an issue with candles, but we won't go there today. No. Um, is that is that is that about it for today? This, you have a wax amaryllis to go by. This is not a candle podcast. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, but, you know, candles sometimes smell like gardens. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, Dee, this has been wonderful. <laughs> As always, people can find us on iTunes and Spotify and all the places where you can listen to podcasts, which kind of funny why we tell people that while they're listening to the podcast. Yeah, that seems odd because they've already found us, haven't they? They have. But if they found us on iTunes, we would appreciate a review. That's always helpful. Yes, a five-star review would be especially nice because the more five-star reviews we get, the more listeners we get because Apple actually notices us. Yay. We are on Facebook, The Garden Angelist. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. And we just started a Pinterest page, which that's all for you to do, Dee. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess I'll get started pinning. But we will also put up some pictures this week on Instagram of the bulbs that we've forced in the past, especially amaryllis. Um, and uh, we'll try to take a picture of our waxed amaryllis. Right. And then finally, I will put links in the show notes for people to find us individually. Great. We're so glad you guys came to listen with us and be with us as we chat over the garden gate. Bye now. Bye.